Longbow. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. All right, 5 o'clock hour, Burns and Gambo. Happy Wednesday to you. Really thought-provoking article today from uh, Yahoo Sports and Jake Fisher, their NBA insider. Uh, in fact, so thought-provoking that Jake Fisher reached out to Gambo, had you a part of his podcast today because he wrote extensively about the Jay Crowder situation. And, and I mean, just there's so many little nuggets in there. We want to get to as many as we possibly can to paint as complete a picture of the Jay Crowder situation as best we possibly can. Um, the, the line in there that I know you checked on first and foremost, because I think you knew that it would be the most interesting for Suns fans to find out about would be this line here. Jordan Clarkson one of the many veterans thought to be available in Utah is one is one dynamic guard the Suns have inquired about in landing in exchange for Jay Crowder. Yes. And I the Suns have not inquired about uh Jordan Clarkson. Uh and to the dismay of many, but they have not inquired about Jordan Clarkson. Now there could be various reasons for that. Um he is available. They're not gonna give him away, but he is available as the Jazz wanna lose basketball games and you know, he's a dynamic scorer. Off the bench, he's you know, he's a former six man of the year. Yes. So I mean he is a he can flat out score. But He's not a one. He's more of a combo guy, right? He's not a one. He's more of a two, a one-two. He can dribble the ball a little bit, but, man, he can flat-out score. And I think the Suns need a scorer. We've talked about Eric Gordon in the past. Clarkson could give you that. One of the problems could be simply the the salary. Like he is, he's got a player option for next year. He'll likely decline, so you might only have him for one year. And the salary, like he's like he's more than Jay Crowder by about three, four million dollars. He's perfect. He's perfect, and, and not. <clears throat> Not because he's, I look at him as some Chris Paul replacement. I don't. I look at Jordan Clarkson and I say he's perfect because he's exactly what they need. Scoring punch off the bench. Yes. Cam Johnson's your starter. Who now provides your scoring pop off the bench? Jordan Clarkson. That's who. He'd be perfect for that role. And frankly, I'm disappointed to hear that that's the situation with Jordan Clarkson. I'd like the Suns to get in on that very much. I mean, they could get in on it if they would be willing to give up, say, a first-round pick and Jay, you know, Jay Crowder, of course, but that a first-round pick. I think that's where the conversation starts. I'm not saying it ends there, but that's where the conversation would have to start. I think that you can get Clarkson, but you would have to say, I'm willing to give up a first-round pick to get him. He's got one year left on his so for If you're the Jazz, you may lose him anyway, so get a first-round pick, and then just assure yourself that you lose more basketball games, right? You take, Clarkson's a good player. He might win you a couple of games in the fourth quarter. He might be your leading scorer for goodness sakes on that team with no Donovan Mitchell and no Rudy Gobert. So I I think if you started the conversation, if you wanted him, I think you could get him. But what I'm telling you right now is that, and this is this is truth, they have not inquired about him with the Jazz to this point. Yeah, let's see the strategy of holding on to your first round picks. It, it Obviously, you got to kind of leave this open-ended because we got to see how this ends and where the story goes and, and who knows what they turn those picks into. It's getting risky doing this, though. Uh, well, I, I mean, Risky how? What do you mean? Just the philosophy of, and if it works out, it works out. But if it doesn't, you may burn your chance to win this year. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. The philosophy of, hey, we're going to hold on to these because if I give up a pick, if I give up a first-round pick, and all of a sudden, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is available, and they they want the maximum amount of picks, and I can't give it to them because I don't have them anymore, I lose out because other teams can offer the max picks, and I can't. Okay, so now I just... so. 
But uh, the long, if you're waiting for something and you get it, great. If you're waiting for something and you don't get it, you'll be a bachelor your whole life. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like we're getting to the point where, where that's a good analogy. I like that. I, I feel like we're getting to the point where, okay, I, I understand you know, hoarding your picks, saving them for a rainy day, getting ready to strike big when that guy becomes available. But completely doing that, and I mean completely giving yourself into doing it that way, ignores the very now window you've got in front of you. And my goodness, you have a now window in front of you. His name is Chris Paul. And I don't know how much longer he's got. I don't know how much longer he's going to be elite. I don't know how much longer he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. But you've got a shot right now in front of you to win a championship, and I think you're a piece or two short. And do you do you want to hoard everything and save it all for two years from now when maybe you get a shot at a guy like that? Or do you need to give a little bit more recognition to the now? Clarkson may be the best you could do out of all the names that have been thrown out there. He's, he'd be great. He'd be, he'd be the best perfect. you could do. It's just He's exactly what they need. Exactly. I, wonder, I know we said that about Boyan Bogdanovich. He too would have been exactly what they need because he's a great scorer. But that's you need scoring off the bench. Scoring you need another bench. guy who you can turn to when they're bottling up book. When they're taking your primary offense away, somebody who can create his own shot. Somebody who can shoot. He'd be a good fit for any team because he's, he's a good kid too. He's a good kid. He'd be a good great. fit anywhere. Flat out score, different player again. Not a one. He's not a one. So you can't say, "Hey, we'll get Clarkson. We'll pay him, and then he'll replace Chris Paul." No, he's not a one. He's a combo guy. He he can dribble, so he can bring the ball up for you. But he's not a point guard. He's a combo that can flat out score the basketball. Yep. But no, the Suns have not inquired about him. Yeah. Now, I, did he shoot the best from three-point land no. last year? No, he he's didn't. A scorer. Has he mostly from his career? Yeah, he shot better. He, and he's, he's But he's a scorer. 16 points, 18 and a half last year. Former six-man league. All right. Other stuff from this article that was, was really interesting. Um, number one, Suns are unwilling to offer an extension of similar value to Crowder than other players like Maxi Kleba and Larry Nance got. I mean, those guys got three years, 33 million, two years, 21 and a half True. million. Give Crowder that deal and we're probably not going through any of this at all. He's a bench player. He comes back and you don't have to deal with Jake There comes Crowder. a point when a $10 million, when you're a luxury taxpayer, there comes a point where a $10 million contract costs you $15 million. There also comes a point where a $10 million contract costs you $20 million. And there could come a point where a $10 million contract contract costs you $30 million. So you're a luxury taxpayer now, so they you, you look at things a little bit differently I know, but, but then you also need to look at it that we're in the window to win a championship. And, and, and that's and I get it. I don't know who's signing the checks over there. I don't know who's in charge of making those financial decisions now that Robert Server's selling the team and Sam Garvin is running the show. I, I hear what you're saying about the dollar for dollar and more dollar for dollar and the tax and I, I understand how it works but again, that ignores this chance you've got in this window you're in, and look, it's not my money. I, I Far be it for me to tell them how to spend it, but I think you also have to respect the other window, right? You have to respect the, okay, we're going to take a major hit in the luxury tax, but don't we owe it to ourselves to go for it here? Don't we owe it to ourselves to not look at the luxury tax and to say, we got a chance to win a championship. Let's do everything we can you know to what? win it. Four months ago in the summer when I reported they were willing to pay 80, 70, 80, 90 million dollars in luxury tax, if that's what it took, they were willing to do that. But now the owner is selling the team. 
You know, he may be on the way out. You don't know. Some Sometimes when you're selling something, you might want to keep the finances lower so it becomes more attractive. I don't know. Yeah. It's one of the biggest. And I don't know that we're going to get an answer to this. Probably not. Like, honestly, probably not. Who is really controlling the purse strings and, and how much, you know, leeway do they have to spend at a at, at a level at whatever level they want, like I, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, one one assistant GM told Yahoo Sports anonymously, "Quote: Phoenix either has something in its pocket that they know is good enough for them when it comes to Jay, or they're bluffing. We'll see what happens come D Day, come opening night." Close quote. Because I do think something's got to. This story needs resolution on opening night. We have to know, and I, I get it. There's a scenario, and you've painted it well. Of man, if you just don't have the offers, maybe you're better off waiting. But but food on the plate is better than no food on the plate. And if Jay Crowder's just sitting for the first two months of the season, I think I'd rather have something off the bench that can help me rather than nothing off the bench that can't. It makes it makes a lot of sense because if you wait, you know, it's two months. But I, you know, there might be some teams out there that have players that are going to be available in December. So I'd try for Drake Crowder, but Jay Crowder, but I can't trade you this guy now because he's not available. Kyler and Cliff, both very aware of the struggles offensively for the Arizona Cardinals, were both asked today about fixing it. How are they going to fix it? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6, on the Arizona Sports App. All right, just real quick from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this news just coming down from Kellen Olson and others who cover the team on a daily basis. No Chris Paul, no Devin Booker, no Mikael Bridges, no DeAndre Ayton tonight. Who had already been ruled out? There had been a bunch of guys that had already Landry, been. I got the. I had a list of guys that were ruled out. Let me get, let me get to it. Landry Shamit. Was one of those guys. Shamit, campaign, uh, Cam Johnson, Darius, Dario Saric. Yeah. And Jake Crowder. <laughs> and yeah, Jake, Jake Crowder. Crowder. Jake Crowder's on the list, too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, for the Phoenix Suns, hey, if you went to. Um, I'm not watching that game today. <laughs> if you went to Desert Vista High School, get on down there and check out Adonis Arms because he went to Good DV. You went to Corona del Sol. Get down there and go check mm. out Saban Lee for the Phoenix Suns. My kids all went to DV. I went to Corona. I, my, 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 one of my best friends in the whole world was Saban Lee's coach. Is one of his years at Corona. Get on, get on down there look and see the, the local kids. Huh? Look, at, look at all the ties. Like the head coach of ASU was my wife's government teacher. There you go, right? Yeah, yeah look yeah, at the, it. The ties go way mm. back. Yeah, that's why. That's why the Suns picked up all these extra players because they just knew they weren't going to play any of their regulars. It's what happens. I don't know if he, for Adonis Arms, Saban Lee, the guys they picked up, and I'm not trying to you know mock their situation or anything, but it, let's see what they do tonight if they have a chance to stick. I don't know. Um, but I, I kind of had a feeling when they added those players that it was that they were doing it because they knew they were going to rest everybody tonight. And it makes sense. The regular season opener is in a week. The games account. You want to make sure you guys are healthy and good and they don't do anything stupid out there by twisting an ankle or bumping knees or anything right. like that. Right. So it makes perfect sense. All right, Cliff and Kyler. As they do every Wednesday, meeting with the media today. And you better believe that the questions were asked about the slow starts. And you better believe that they attempted to answer why the Cardinals continue to get off the slow start. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it starts with me and making sure we're, you know, those first 
10 whatever scripted plays are, are on point. Everybody's in sync, and we know them, and, and we know we can be effective. And, and then we just got to go out and execute. You know, what we've seen in practice all week hasn't been showing up in those first couple of series for whatever reason. And I don't know if we're too excited and too too hyped up, whatever, but it, it's got to change because I think we've led 10 minutes in five games, and um, that, that is no way to survive an NFL season. Too excited and too hyped up? I, I don't know. And look, at this point, if you're Cliff and the Cardinals, you'll okay, you'll, let's, bl- you'll blame it on anything at this point, okay, right? You'll, let's, you'll, let's watch the notebook right before we take the field. <laughs> guys, guys, games at, games at 2 at one one fifteen. we're going to watch the notebook. Everybody settle down. Everybody sit down. Calm down. We're going to dim the lights. Yes. Right. Uh, Maybe take a little nap. You know, a little nappy time, right? Lay out the mats on the floor mm. and just take a little nap before well, the game you guys starts. too excited or hype before the game. Yeah. It's no good. Kyler was asked about it, of course, as well. Um, I, th- I thought last game was one of our better games, um, if not our best, as far as, you know, the continuity and just the way it felt out there. Um... I, I would say I would say the same. You know, obviously, uh, talking about it doesn't really matter. We got to go out there and prove it. Got to go out there and execute on Sunday. Um, but I think we can build on you know how, how we felt and, and what we were um, what we were doing out there. Because like I said, we ran the ball well, uh, moved the ball well in, in spurts at times. Um, and I, I think, like I said, I think last game was probably our best overall together. Honestly, I don't disagree with that. That actually. was the best. Yeah, they had 15 I, I, plays for 45 yards. Uh, well, no, no, the, the, I'm talking about the 300 yards they had. In the last after. five drives. Yes, after. Yeah, right. I'm, I, the, the slow start. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. The, the slow start is okay, of course. The slow start. But I mean, overall, against I a good thought defense. against that defense, the way they moved the ball in their last five drives, that's that's the kind of offense I think they're capable of being. They, they move the ball well against that defense. That was supposed to be one of the tougher assignments all year. And I, I, I actually thought that was their best game offensively the entire year because it was steady. It was, it was doable, right? It was repeatable, the kind of stuff they did. It wasn't, you know, Kyler Murray against the Raiders in the fourth quarter. That ain't repeatable. You're, you're not going to get no. that very often, right? No, that was just pure greatness. And you could, you, you, you can't make those plays and happen then think week about, in, week out. Think about the Carolina Panthers, too. A lot of that offense in the second half came because of the short fields that you had, right? Because I, I of mean, the mistakes Carolina kept mistakes. making. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of repeatable, doable offense... Uh, yeah, I thought Philly was their best game. Now, the slow starts are their own thing. It's their own animal. And, and you said it earlier, and you're right. That defines the season so far. It's, if I ask you, what defines the Cardinals? Slow starts. That's it. What defines them? I and mean, Kyla hasn't been great. I mean, hasn't it, like Hollywood Brown's been good. Zach Allen's been good. And, you know, he's, the defense is, you know, the defense would probably be the second thing that defines them is the defense has been a big surprise. They've shut down a lot of guys. But I think what defines the Arizona Cardinals right now is a team that just can't, can't help themselves in the first quarter of a football game. They're always behind. They were down 14 nothing last week. They're behind in every single game. And to me, that is what defines them at this point. And I think part of the problem is that everybody around there is just waiting for DeAndre Hopkins to come back. Now, maybe everything is solved the second he is back. They got one more game without him. But Kyler was asked today if he's if he's got a calendar with the date circled for when DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back. Internally, obviously. I mean, everybody, you know, <laughs> can't wait to have Hop back. But uh, right now, I'm focused on the guys that are out there. I mean, uh, got the utmost confidence, like I said, every week and, and everybody that touches the field. Um, but when we get him back, I mean, I know he'll be ready to go, you know, and, and the guys will be excited to have him back. And I'm not trying to minimize 
realize how important a player DeAndre Hopkins is. He's obviously one of the most important players, but I think you got to play with. You got to find a way to play without him. I agree, but you got to find a way. Comments we've heard from from Cliff, we've heard from Steve Kime on our show, Cliff, uh, Kyler today. There does seem to be this. All right, DeAndre, save our souls. SOS. You know, I'm, I'm, and if he and if he doesn't. If he doesn't come out, if he doesn't play, look, he's playing a week from tomorrow. They play New Orleans on a Thursday night game at home a week from tomorrow. Hopkins will be back one week from tomorrow. And, you know, if, if they win this Seattle game and they're three and three, uh, even if they lose it and they have a chance to the New Orleans, like that, that's a, that New Orleans game on Thursday, that's a big game. It's a big game for them. And they're going to want to, and, and we can sit there. It's going to take Hopkins a few weeks. Okay. And I, I get that, but I don't know if they have that. Like they're going to, they, Hollywood Brown's been great. Maybe he could even be better if Hopkins comes back and takes some of the pressure off of him. Yeah. Maybe. But if they're, if they're like this with DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> yeah, I mean, forget it. Forget it. Cause Cliff's right. You're not going to survive in the NFL when you've played five games and you've had to leave for 10 minutes total on the season. I mean, that's just the, you're, that's, you talk about sustainable, you talk about repeatable, about things that you could do over and over again. You can't win in this league if you're going to lead for 10 minutes after five Remember games. after the first couple games, I'm like, man, they should just take the ball. Like they're built to have a great offense. Take the ball and go score. It doesn't matter. No. Man, it doesn't matter when they get the ball. They can't score in the first quarter. Doesn't of seem to matter. Game. No, doesn't seem to matter at all. Kyler was also asked about having D Hop back in the facility. Yeah, every time I see him, I've got a big smile on my face. He's got a big smile just, to, you know, having, having, having him around, um, no understanding how much he loves it. How much he misses it, um, you know. He, he's uh, he's he's a leader of our team. He's one of the leaders, um, and he's uh, we, like I said, we, we can't wait to have him back. Well, Gambo mentioned it, so I'm going to mention it again. Arizona going primetime next week. The Suns tip off the NBA season against the Mavs. The Cards take on the Saints on Thursday night football. The very next night, both of those games are at home. We're giving you the chance to experience both in person. Damn. Text the word I know, right? That's pretty good. Text primetime to six twenty six twenty. Listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner each day is going to win their choice of either a Booker jersey or a D-Hop jersey. Again, text PRIMETIME. Don't text Dion. To 620-620. No, PRIMETIME. P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E to 620-620. Now, all the offensive struggles aside for a moment. You look at that Seattle defense, there's a lot of things the Cardinals could take advantage of if they were just a little bit healthier. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The Seattle Seahawks defense has, in their last four games, given up 235 yards on 48 carries to the Saints, 189 yards on 45 carries, 179 yards on 31 carries, 145 yards on 25 carries. They rank last in the NFL in yards rushing allowed per game. They are giving up, on average, 170 yards per game. They've allowed nine rushing touchdowns in the last four games. They're last in total yards allowed. And yet... Every single Cardinal running back seems like they're hurt right now, right? It's just, ah! I know. And you sit there and you're like, oh, that's the, that, this is the game for everybody to gain, kind of gain those yards. This is the game everybody to play in and, and really just rack up big yards because, because everybody's having success against Seattle. They can't stop the run. Their defense is atrocious. They give it up a lot of big explosive plays. They can't get off the field. The guys are yelling at each other. They're pissed off. They, they give up long drives. They give up big plays through the air. 
big plays through the ground. So this is one of those games where I mean, if you're a running back, you want to play against them because you just don't feel like they can stop you. No, it doesn't feel like they can. And yet the, the Cardinals are, you know, again, this is Cliff from earlier today. You signed two guys to the practice squad yesterday. Are, are you going to have to dip into that for this game against Seattle? It's day to day. Um, not sure yet. It'll be later on in the week. Uh, James obviously is very familiar with the system, so he can go late in the week. He'll go. And then um, Daryl will see how that goes. But we wanted to make sure we had our bases covered and brought in some guys who played. And. Um, on some experience. Daryl is Daryl Williams. You're hearing he's not going to play. I'm hearing he's not going to play. It's probably a couple of weeks, but uh, you know, James Conner's a big maybe. Haven't got anything outside of maybe. We did report yesterday that they were going to put uh, Jonathan Ward on the injured reserve. We reported that yesterday. They made that announcement today. Now, I like what Cliff said about James. He's a guy who doesn't need a lot of practice time. He knows the system. It's not like he has to practice. Uh, uh, but today, they were so banged up. Uh, and they, they were a combination of them being banged up but the fact that they've got a Thursday night game next week. They got two games in nine days. And, and so today they just did a glorified walkthrough, basically. And they, they came up with an injury list that was kind of projected on who would have been available to practice had they done a full practice. But uh, the, there is two schools of thought here. It's either really bad luck that you're playing a Seattle defense that's been gashed on the ground, but you have nobody to do the gashing, or that no matter how banged up your running back room is, you're still going to be able to gash that defense because some of those teams that have gashed Seattle the last few weeks, they've been missing guys all over the place. New Orleans was missing a bunch of guys. The Lions were missing a bunch of guys, right? I mean, so... Didn't it, was it that Patterson's big game against Seattle? Yes. Yeah, that was his, yeah, it was his huge game. game against Seattle. I, I think the San Francisco game might have even been the one where Elijah Mitchell got hurt, if I remember right. So, I mean, it's, it's not like teams are doing this with their very best personnel and their very best players. They're missing a bunch of guys offensively, and they're still trashing that defense every single Sunday. They are, and that's what's weird about this game. It's not just the Geno Smith thing. That's weird, okay? Seattle, there's another way to put it. It's just weird to see him play so well. Seattle historically has been defined by their defense. Their their stars are, are, have been on the Defensive side of the ball, save for Russell that Wilson. Team's long gone. Man. I know that team. There, that team's Marshawn Lynch doesn't play there anymore. Um, Richard Sherman doesn't play there anymore. I know those I, guys are gone. Russell I, Wilson doesn't play there I know. anymore. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's just a habit. It, it's just you're used you to. Of, sure. Yeah, you're just used to seeing you know, like the like the Bears after their great run was done with their defense. I mean, you still look at them and you say, "There's the monsters of the midway." Right? Well, it's because, not the same team anymore. Well, but cold, cold weather teams are different, right? You try to build on running and defense when you play in Chicago or New York or Buffalo. You try to build that way. You need to be able to run the ball because when the weather gets cold, it's it's just harder. So a lot of the cold weather teams very much liked to build through uh, running the football and playing great defense. Yeah, Seattle has just done a really, really poor job of it. And, and, how, and now we'll find out if the Cardinals are poised to take advantage of it. I mean, we've got a poll question right now. Who's the leading rusher? And at some point tomorrow, I'll come up with over-under on carries and yards for Eno and and off the top of my head. You know what? I'll just do this now. Off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll set the over-under on Eno carries at... Come on. I wish I had a pen. I was going to write down a number. I don't have a pen. Go ahead. I'm going to put the Eno over-under on carries I'm going to say 14. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh! I might be good at this too. I was going to say 14 and a half. 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Okay. Okay. 
yards, 68 and a half. Okay. 14 and a half carries, 68 and a half yards. Okay. I, I mean, if James Conner doesn't play, I'm taking the over. Well, that's the thing. Now, if James Conner doesn't play, I would probably bump the carries up to 16 and a half, and I'd probably bump the yards up to 74 and a half, something like that. I mean, this is, look, this is a big moment for Eno, right? We, we, we hinted at this earlier. This is seventh round pick. He can make a name for himself in this game. Took him two years to kind of establish himself within the system and hang around and not get cut. But he hasn't really established himself. He's there and they like him, but he hasn't had that game that, that like, okay, look, I'm really good in this league. I could play here for a while. He established himself by staying on the roster because they kept five running backs. He established himself Uh by being well-liked and well-respected and well-thought-of-enough that, you know what, let's do the unconventional. Let's do five running backs. They haven't seen him have like this. No, not at all. Like, like I've arrived type of game. This could be the I arrived game for Eno Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, I only meant he established himself in the sense that he he became a a guy, you know what, you worked your ass off to get to this point, we're going to keep you around because you might be worth something. You've, You've established yourself in that regard. You're worth keeping. This could be the game. Yeah, where he where he really shows off the stuff, you know, where he really, hey, look what I got. Because against that defense, you would think he would be able to do that. Listen, they, they listen. Their goal simply is to try to fix it, but I don't know if it's fixable, right? I don't know if what they have is like like the, like the Cardinals not being able to score in the first quarter is fixable. You know why it's fixable? Because they score in the other quarters. <laughs> All right? So it's not like, oh, they'll never score in the first. No, that's fixable because they go out there like they had a great game against the Eagles with 300 and something yards after the first quarter. So it's a fixable thing. The Seattle defense may not be fixable. You know why? Because every time they play, the teams rush all over them for 170 yards a game. Like, that's what they do. It's not like Seattle's like, yeah, but, you know, we, we only had two games where we did that. And the other games, we completely shut these guys down. No, they haven't done that. So, like, the, the two things, the Cardinals' problem is a fixable thing. If Cliff could figure it out, it's fixable. But the Seattle defense and stopping the run, listen, mark it down. They're going to finish with the worst rush defense in the NFL. They're going to. It's that bad. That's not something that gets fixed. You know, your problem is the personnel. You're not going to be able to change the personnel week by week. Maybe get a tad better, but nothing that's going to make them, oh, my God. They're not going to all of a sudden be a top 10 rush defense in the league. With a snap of the finger, that's not going to happen. No, you wouldn't think so. They're getting gassed by big plays. It just—it doesn't seem like anything that's going to get fixed anytime soon. And I—and I just don't know. I'm looking forward to talking to Brock Heward tomorrow because he's our guy, and from the quarterback position especially, I, I want to ask him, and we will when we have him on tomorrow, just how sustainable this Geno Smith thing is, right? Because it's—it has been truly one of the top stories in the league so far this year. I mean, yeah. really, Geno Smith, nobody thought he was capable of this. Can he keep it up? Is no. it is it sustainable? No. I tend to think it's not either. No. And when it does, I think Seattle crashes and burns. No, but- at some point he'll look in the mirror and realize that he's still Geno Smith. <laughs> and it's like, so no, I don't think it's sustain. I, I really don't think it's sustainable. We'll have Brock Heward on the show. So did somebody write down my numbers, right? Four, 14 and a half on the carries. I even got the splits of the with or without Connor on there, too. Oh, nice. Good yeah. job, Mitch. Way to go. All right. Well, I had to do something right today after those ghastly poll questions. Would you seriously quit beating yourself bad. up over that? I mean, my gosh. Forgive yeah. yourself, Mitch. It's okay. It's 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 radio. It's, How about this? Can I redeem myself now? 
with. I put the poll question out there that Gambo suggested. Do you guys want to guess the percentages of people's voting on Eno's yards between sure. 0 to 24, 25 to 49, 50 to 74, and 75 plus? I'm going to retweet that. All right, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess uh, 48% have gone 50 to 74. I just voted. I'm going to say uh, 20% going 75 to 100. Am I close? Can I vote in person I'm or a, I got to mail it in? I'm at nowhere near. I'm not in close. <laughs> Gambo, you can take it away. It's you can mail it in, Gambo. You're, you're allowed. It's, I'd rather vote in person. I'm sure you would. 75 plus what yards is, is what I'm going for. What is legal? Uh, by the way, home run for Manny, Manny Machado. Manny off, off of Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Uh, what are the numbers since I was so poor guessing them? What were they? So the leader right now is actually 75 plus. People are pretty optimistic, but it's barely leading with 39.9% of the vote. 50 to 74 has 37.6. with 25 to 49. 3.7% 0 to 24. All right, that's the Gambo approved poll question and not the one that Mitch has been flogging Let's himself about. Let's have an update on there. that tomorrow because that'll last for 24 <laughs> hours now. That's a good one. I like the question. It's pretty close between three of them. It's, it's, it's pretty close. We'll take a look at it. When we come back, we will update you on the baseball that's going on with the postseason, though I kind of just did. Let's go Padres. With San Diego taking the one nothing lead. We'll check in on the MLB playoffs. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, uh, what is on tonight? Major League Baseball is on tonight. Suns preseason action is on tonight. They are in, let's do the baseball first. They're in the fifth inning, middle of the fifth. The Phillies and the Braves are scoreless. Long rain delay. Real pitcher's duel going on in this one, too. Zach Wheeler and uh, Kyle Wright are locked up in a duel. Kyle Wright has gone five innings, given up two hits, struck out four, walked one. Wheeler, four innings, one hit, three strikeouts, no walks. Wow. And yeah, there was a lengthy rain delay in this one. It was supposed to start like 1.30? Yes. Right? I think it started at 4.30. Two games are going up against each other on battling Fox stations. Yeah. Well, it's what they... What, it's, it's why they invented the TV and then the iPad. You can watch one-on-one and one-on-the-other oh, one if you're so inclined. Then in the other game, game two, uh, and of course the Phillies lead the series one game to none. Then in game two between the Dodgers and the Padres, we mentioned it going into the break in the last uh, segment. Manny Machado, a solo home run off of Clayton Kershaw has given the Padres an early one nothing lead. You Darvish and Kershaw, the pitching matchup in that game yeah. tonight. Good one. That's a good pitching real matchup right there. One. That's yeah. a real good Darvish once pitched for the Dodgers. Of course. Yeah, yeah short time, but he pitched there. He's been so good for them this year. <laughs> it's so good. Well, they need him now. They gotta they gotta you don't want to get down two nothing. So yeah. they, they need to win this one. No doubt about it. Uh and remember, just reminding everybody out there in the Burns and Gimbo audience, we have a bet on the show made before the season even started. Gambo's got the Dodgers. I've got the field. We did that before. You know, the the field always wins. Always. The field always wins. Anytime you make a bet and you give somebody the field and you take one team, you almost always lose. But I took the Dodgers. Do you know who I'm afraid is going to win? The Houston the Astros. Astros. I'm afraid the Houston Astros I just told Astros you, if the Astros play win. the Dodgers, I'm not watching the World I'm, Series. I'm very afraid the Astros are going to win. 
That's no enjoyment for me. I, I, I want to enjoy what I'm watching. No interest in that at all. None. The Astros are they're just dead to me. After all of that stuff from the last few years, they are absolutely dead to me. I just... Ugh. And yeah, Bregman, Altuve. If it's so easy to hate. Dodgers, Astros? Yeah, no. Yuck. Absolute yuck. And then uh, Suns basketball is on tonight. Um, the final preseason game of the year. And nobody's playing. Nobody. Uh, no Chris Paul, no Devin Booker, no Mikael Bridges, no Cam Johnson. That's why they signed all those high school kids. No DeAndre Ayton, no campaign, no Landry Shamit, no Dario Sharks, no Jake Crowder. Damn. <laughs> got a guy from Corona and DB playing. <laughs> those are the guys you've got. Yeah, that's how they're playing, honestly. I'm just serious. Yeah, you got... You got Jock Landale looking around, you know, Damian Lee yeah. looking around like uh, Josh Akogi. Like, all right, let's go get him, guys. Let's go. Let's go. This is why we're here. Mm-hmm. See if we can get it done. That's a 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. And, of course, this time next week, one week from right now, you and me down at Footprint Center. The Suns and the Mavs. Let the regular season begin. Footprint Center will be there, and then we'll, you know, we'll also be at the uh, the Mullet Arena <laughs> for the for the Winnipeg game. And I was on, on October twenty eighth, October twenty eighth, for their home opener. Yeah, I saw a funny little story, and I'm just going to bring this up to you. How excited, concerned are you about watching the Yotes play in Mullet Arena, the five thousand seat Arizona State venue? This was in the Ringer. It was a survey, and they asked their main guys, and he says one guy wrote said, "I didn't know it was named." the mullet arena until right now. That's actually very fitting because much like mullets, this situation is only funny for a very brief time and it just becomes a really bad look. The only way this can shift into something entertaining is if the fans pack the stadium and convert into a college basketball atmosphere. That, uh, of course, will never happen, so it's very concerning. I think that that can happen. Another guy, uh, Schuster, said, I have no words, no frame or reference to describe how I feel about this situation. Maybe the closest thing we've seen to it recently was when the Chargers spent a couple of seasons playing in the Galaxy Stadium which sat 30,000 people, but even that is still 30,000 compared to 5,000. This is going to be an all-time weird situation, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, one guy says, I'm a lot more thrilled about Mullet Arena than the Coyotes players who have to play there. Playing in a small arena can be considered something noteworthy, so that's a small victory, um, and at least the sight lines will be good. So there was just a lot of yeah. people just reacting to what it's going to be like for them to play there. You sent me a screenshot of this, and I, and I read it. And of all the different takes, I think the one that I agreed with the most from this kind of roundtable about their situation was the guy who said, and I can't remember which one it was, Baker. I'm not sure which one that, who that is on the Ringer staff, who said that, it, it, and I think this is going to happen. Like, you're a New York fan. And it's the middle of February, and you're freezing your ass off in Manhattan. Fly to Arizona, pay the money to go get a lower, lower, lower level seat to see your Rangers, and then go sit in a pool for a couple of days because it's 72 <laughs> degrees. I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, if you're living in Canada and you're freezing your, your tush well, off. These, we don't, but these people don't understand. We don't go in our pools in December. I know, but they will. They, they will, because for them, be it's minus 30 degrees where they're from. They'll think the weather's great down here. I think, honestly, what you'll see is people from other markets with money to burn will come down here, will pay those premium prices to get those premium tickets to see a game in a very unusual setting and venue. If it plays well on TV, it's going to be... If it plays well on television... Oh, I mean live. Like, they'll come and be... Right, but I'm the- saying, I think that that could be a selling point, too. 
Like instead of like you know panning out to a shot of an like a half empty arena. Oh, I see you were you saying. You see a packed crowd, like you know, and it, you go, "Ooh, that looks like a fun wow, environment." That looks Let's like go a great environment. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Uh, ideally, it's Coyote fans there, and every, and, it, and it's got that cool kind of college vibe. But it is going to be weird. I mean, you and I. Okay, we haven't. I've only seen pictures. Haven't stepped foot in it yet. When you and I do the show from there on October twenty eighth, yeah, we're going to be blown away by how small it is. We're going to walk in and go, man, is this it? You know we will. I've seen enough pictures of it to know it's small. It's really small. I'm bringing my skates. And it's going to be like that for three years, maybe four, depending on approval, taxes, remediation of the site. If this all gets approved, construction, everything, it's, it's, it's not an ideal situation. They can spin it however they want. It's not ideal for them to be playing in an arena that small, and I think we're going to be struck by how small it is when we're there. We'll, we'll go, oh, wow. Jeez, this is tiny. 5,000 people or less. Well, less. I mean, it might be I, less. I think when they account for like the press box and everything, it's it's down to like, well, I, I might be wrong, but I thought it was closer to like 43 or 4,400 when it was all said and done. Listen, they're going to be a big team. They're going to be a physical team. They know that they're not going to win a lot of hockey games. I mean, they're going to try to put themselves in a position to, to land one of those great players in the draft for a few years. I mean, we had Bill Armstrong on. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that conversation. I was blown away by the fact that he said, look, it's it's seven, eight years to rebuild the right way. It does like it's not happening in two years. Like, it's seven to eight years that we might have to go through some hard times. So, uh, but they're ready. Dylan Gunther is going to play this year. That's exciting. At least the fans. Look, you know how it was with the with the with the Diamondbacks and the young players that they had, I think the same way with Gunther. I can't wait to see this kid play. You know, I can't wait to see him get out there. He's got all these very talented. He could be a star player in this league. So that's what they. That's what you have to look forward to. Some of the young players eventually getting the opportunities. One other story we haven't had a chance to talk about today. Uh, as we we near well, we got bonus burns and Gambo too coming up. So we're with you until six thirty. But we haven't had a chance to talk about this. We can spend a couple of moments on this. Uh, ESPN.com ranking the open college football coaching job and where Matt Rule could fit. Okay, The five coaching jobs they ranked were Georgia Tech, Colorado, ASU, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. They had, rightfully so, Wisconsin number one. They had Nebraska number two. They did list ASU as the third best availability ahead of Georgia Tech and Colorado. Which wow. Probably, which, ahead uh, of Georgia Tech and Colorado. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, Colorado, yeah. Georgia yeah. Tech, it's in Atlanta. They've had some success, but not a ton. Those two are probably really close. But for ASU, um, candidate to watch, former Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule. They um, gave pros and cons yeah, of, to the, the story. of the program. Yeah, Co- yeah give the pros. Uh, job pros. Location in the growing Phoenix market, massive student enrollment, no major hurdles for admissions. Uh, the state has increasingly produced more Power 5 players. Uh, Arizona State has avoided prolonged down periods in its history. Coaches have won there not enough. Job cons. Whoever takes the job will be arriving in a very tenuous time. The NCAA investigation. Athletic Director Ray Anderson is still in his post, but for how much longer who knows and then this stat which is the most asu football stat ever you'll hear this and go yeah uh-huh, that okay. makes sense since 1998 asu has been ranked at some point in all but eight seasons they have finished ranked 
just four times. <sighs> that is the most ASU football yeah. stat. We think they're going to do it. Ever. And then they don't do oh, it. Oh, you know what? They, they might actually be good this year. Yeah. Oh, somebody woke up the sleeping giant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now they didn't finish in the top 25. That is seriously, that, that's ASU in a nutshell. That's ASU football right there. You would get, listen, every college, Matt Rule's going back to college. Okay, and a lot of people are excited about the opportunity to get him because he was so successful at Temple and Baylor, and whatever whatever team does, whatever or you know uh, university gets him, that's going to be a big deal for that fan base. They'll be able to try to build something off of that. Yeah, they had um, Nebraska at number two, and they had Kansas coach Lance Leipold as the candidate to watch there, and then Wisconsin, and I'm, they're not the only ones. Who, I keep reading this that Wisconsin is just going to go with their interim guy. Apparently, they love him, Jim Leonard. Who's taken over after Chris got fired? Um, well, that would help because that's the best job available for him. To be honest with you, yeah, that's yeah. the best job available. You take that out and go now. Auburn, we'll see what happens with Auburn. But if it comes down to like Georgia, you can go to Georgia Tech or ASU. Yeah, we'll see. Like ASU's a better, you know, ASU might be a better sell there. The looming punishment and the uncertainty at AD, you know, does definitely kind of hang over everything for sure. All right, we've got bonus Burns and Gambo coming up next because we're with you until 6.30 tonight here on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports app. Suns get set for their final preseason game. Nobody's playing against Sacramento. And then the season will kick off. And joining us to talk Suns basketball, one of our favorites, play-by-play voice and do-everything Phoenix Suns guy, John Bloom. Bloomer, what's up? Hey, Gambo. Good to be with you and uh, good to have basketball almost all the way back. We were just talking about how, you know, tonight could be a lot of fun if everybody was playing. But as you mentioned, a lot of folks sitting out. What's uh, You got to look at that starting lineup for me? Yeah. yeah, not, I'm just getting it now. If if it's the guys in uh, ca- all caps, but it's not because I just see Frank Jackson on one side and he's not even on the roster anymore. So they still have some work to do before they figure out who is going to start tonight's game for both teams. Uh, I was kind of excited to see the uh, rookie for the Kings, Keegan Murray, but he's not going to be playing tonight either for Sacramento. Yeah, so we get set for the for this gauntlet of a of a season for the Suns and Bloomer. I was looking at those early games. They're going to play Dallas. The Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, and the New Orleans Pelicans all within the first like 15 days of the season. Got a real test right out of the bat. Yeah, they really do. And and I don't know how you feel about this, Gamble, but I think that for this group, that's a good thing. I think that that will get them engaged knowing that they've got these tilts uh, right out of the gates. You know, not, not to say that they wouldn't be engaged for a team like they're playing tonight, the Sacramento Kings, but I just think for some reason, if you're talking about the Mavs who just knocked them out and clearly that wound is still fresh for all of us, uh, then they should have no problem getting motivated to be up for next Wednesday night and the, uh, the season opener here at Footprint Center. Then after that, you mentioned the Clippers. Everybody is liking the Clippers to be the favorite in the Western Conference. And, the, sure. and then the Warriors are the team that just won it all. So you mentioned those guys plus New Orleans. There's a lot of hype of Zion coming back. Uh, I'm with you. It's going to be an interesting start. And for me, instead of being worried about it from the Sun standpoint, I think it's a good thing for this group. Yeah, I get tested right away. Let, let's talk about what you've seen through these first few preseason games so far. What are the, some of the things you like and what are some of the things you're concerned about? Well, I think the, the concern is just not uh, getting a, 
a real rotation set at this point, and and I don't think a lot of teams in in the league are in the preseason. It seems like the emphasis on using these games to get yourself ready for the regular season has dissipated a little bit. It, it's not the same as it as it always was. Uh, but with the Suns having four games as opposed to maybe six like the Lakers do, uh, I think that they had this plan in place. And Monty said as much a little while ago with the media that uh, you know not starting his starters tonight was always the plan. Uh, it's not just because of how, what he saw in Denver and how they performed. And I thought that the starting five performed pretty well through the three games that we saw him in the preseason. So for that, that's a positive. If you look at their plus-minus numbers and other analytics, it's all pretty decent. Uh, so I don't think that there's anything to be worried about with that group. Maybe there is some concern on who is going to step up to be a bench scorer, to, to you know be the, the majority of the ball handling duties. I still think that my faith is in campaign to do that. There's a lot of people who are just kind of saying that you know the Suns are weak in that position. I don't believe that they are, especially if he can regain uh, his form from the year before last. Yeah, now there's still the opportunity to trade Jay Crowder. I, mean, I think I'm a little surprised, and I know you may be too, that, there, that there's no resolution on this yet. I know James Jones wants to make a, a good trade because, look, look, with Cam Johnson going in the starting lineup and losing him off that bench and no JaVel McGee, uh, and if Jay Crowder is not going to be here and come off the bench, I'm a little concerned about the bench production, and you got to hope that James is able to make a trade to bring somebody in here that could really help them. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and, and it's just it's a disappointment is what it is. I think that that's where I uh, land on the Jay Crowder situation, and it's a disappointment for a multitude of reasons. I think that Jay is probably disappointed the way this is playing out. The Suns are disappointed the way this is playing out, and it didn't have to be that way. I think that you know there was a winning hand to be played there, and it just was botched. And unfortunately, at this situation now with the season a week away, how many teams want to rock their roster and and you know send several guys on on the road to get somebody else in return? I don't think a lot, especially those that are in contention. And where is Jay Crowder going to want to go play uh, if the Suns are going to you know do right by him? Then he's going to go play for a contender. So I don't know if this is going to happen in quick order at this point, and that is a disappointment. I think for all sides involved, uh, but hopefully it will be a disappointment that eventually will just turn into uh, you know better things for everybody. That's for Jay, and that's for the Phoenix Suns, let's, of course. Let's talk about the bench. Landale has been the most pleasant surprise. He's different, right? The, the thing you like about him is he's not DA, and he's not Bismack Biyombo. He's a different type player. You know, they got a Koji, they got Lee, they got Landale. That was the splash that they had, and they were kind of insignificant signings, but you're looking at Landale get an opportunity. He's a young kid. He's only been in the league for a year. He could shoot the basketball from outside. They try to post him up a little bit. I think he's going to get a real opportunity to get some hard-earned minutes for this team. He is. He already has during the preseason. The question I have is how much are we going to see of him when it gets to the regular season? Because we haven't really seen a lot of Bismack Biombo in the preseason, and the expectation is that he's a guy that you'll go to off the bench to fill in for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, we haven't seen Dario Saric a ton. We saw a glimpse of him in Vegas against the Lakers, but then he wasn't on the trip to Denver. Not available tonight either, but there's a guy that you would anticipate would have uh, a piece of that rotation. So I don't know where Jock Landale fits, but it's a luxury to have a guy with that kind of skill set. He's shown enough to me to feel like he deserves a roster spot. There's no question about it and potentially a chance to play. Uh, and so now we'll just have to see how it all plays out with those other bigs we just got done talking about. And there's still the whole idea of maybe you're bringing somebody else in if you do end up pulling the trigger on a trade with Jay Crowder. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, I'll leave you with this, and I just want to get your thoughts. The one thing that a player told me about with losing Jay is, man, he, you know, the intangibles. He was the one guy that could press 
press and push Booker and Chris Paul and, and get on them when things weren't going right. And he could get on Monty. He had that, you know, that reputation and he had the respect to where if those guys were slipping a little bit, he could get in their face. He could go at him a little bit and challenge them. I don't know that there's anybody else on that roster. I think they may miss that with Jay. No, you're right. And that's rare air to be able to, you know, uh, be comfortable in that position. And Jay Crowder had earned that, right? Based on his pedigree, where he'd been before, how he was respected league-wide. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't just, uh, here's a guy who, who's a loudmouth. No, it was a guy who, when he spoke, people paid attention. Uh, and losing that, I think, can have an effect on this basketball team. But they have enough guys in the room, uh, I believe, who have qualities uh, that, that can be developed in that nature, if you will. Like, Devin can, can be a vocal guy when he needs to. Chris Paul obviously has all of the wherewithal and then some of anybody who's ever played in this league, but it's it's a matter of a respect factor. And Jay Crowder certainly brought that to the locker room, and then you, you lose JaVale McGee. So there's a lot of voices that have left that room. There's no doubt about it. All right, Bloomer, always appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing if you get any action on the court tonight with that lineup. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, my friend. We'll talk soon. Nobody wants that, Gamble, but uh, <laughs> good to talk to you, and uh, yeah, look forward to the season getting started for real. Uh, we'll be down there. Thanks. That's John Bloom joining us on the program. Talk a little Suns basketball as we get set for the game. Final preseason game, the Suns and the Sacramento Kings. A lot of the key players sitting this one out. And then the next time they play, it'll be for real. So we're looking forward to that. Suns and the Mavericks. The Suns' home opener will be against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. So we'll be down there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back 2 o'clock sharp tomorrow right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.